adventure here. This little podcast is a safe space to talk about the movies we love, the good and the bad, acknowledging their issues and celebrating their successes with a healthy dose of nostalgia thrown in for good measure. And because I am a librarian by day and don't need an excuse to talk books at the end of our conversation, I'll give you a book recommendation or two that you might like if this movie sounds like your cup of tea. Before we dive into today's movie pick, 1993's Robin Hood Men in Tights, a quick ask. If you like the podcast and want a free and super easy way to support what I do, please consider rating or reviewing the podcast wherever you listen. You can also just share the podcast with someone or someones you know that you think might enjoy the fun as well. Word of mouth marketing. I would be ever so appreciative. So my nostalgic thoughts about this Robin Hood men in tights business, um, I thought I was going to enjoy this rewatch more than I actually did, which really surprised me. I don't have a lot of like super intense movies or memories about this particular movie. I'm pretty sure I saw it sometime in high school. I'm pretty sure my best friend showed it to me uh, because I remember laughing at particular points specifically with her. So Linz, if you were the ones that showed that to me, do you remember that? I don't know. Um, but I, so it wasn't a staple in my house. And I, I actually think for some particular reason, my parents actually shied away from Mel Brooks. Like that was not a director. This was not a set of films that I grew up watching, uh, especially, of course, Blazing Saddles, which if, if you aren't ready for it to be a parody and a satire and to have some pretty strong messages made in a very theatrical, funny way, like on the nose kind of way. It's a startling kind of movie if you're not prepared for that or if you're just not open to that kind of humor. Um, but like Spaceballs, I think they thought was maybe a little too sexual, so we didn't watch it. Um, I don't know. It just wasn't it wasn't in our rotation of movies growing up in the 90s. I mean, this one came out in 93, so it wasn't like it was a nostalgic favorite for my parents at that particular time, like a lot of the 80s movies were. Um, but I remember enjoying it as a teen. And laughing at some parts, I think it's funny, <laughs> the parts that I laughed at now, which some are, some are similar. Others, I remember thinking something was so highly amusing. And now I'm like, yeah, I didn't love that part of the movie. So it's going to be an interesting conversation today. Uh, I, we're going to see how it goes. I, I hope I don't get too surly because I have more negative feelings about this than I expected to have. And I do love Mel Brooks. I think he is a comedic genius and... Um, so I just, I wasn't anticipating these emotions that I'm feeling after this rewatch. But before we dive into the movie context and the summary, let's go ahead and take a listen to the trailer. 20th Century Fox presents the motion picture event of the summer. The summer of 1125 A.D. That's him, Robin Hood. Good evening. The Hoods from the Woods are back. Yo, yo, yo! Check it out. Little John. Ow! Prince John. More bubbles. Oh, yeah, just now it's happening. The Sheriff of Rottingham. I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> I accept. Maid Marion. A chastity belt? It's an Everlast. And a rabbi, Tuckman. Hello, boys. He's the first action hero. And white men can't jump. 
and the last word in comedy. And why should the people listen to you? Because, unlike some other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. Robin Hood, men in tights. A Mel Brooks film. Yes! The legend had it coming. So a little background on the movie. Men in Tights was directed, of course, by the one and only Mel Brooks. He is one of only 18 entertainers to have received an EGOT. So he has an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. He got his start in comedy on the Sid Caesar show, then worked with Carl Reiner writing scripts for their 2,000-year-old man character. There are lots of clips on YouTube. Highly recommend that rabbit hole. I did fall into it for a while. I am a big Carl Reiner fan, uh, and I loved those two together. I know that they like had breakfast together almost every day before Carl Reiner, Reiner passed, and it terrified me when he passed because I was like, oh, no, are we going to lose Mel Brooks too? But he's still here with us um, and still being just the amazing man that he is. Uh, so it was in the 70s, though, that Mel's career really started to skyrocket, especially in film. And I really honestly don't know much about Mel Brooks, just kind of the obvious appreciation for his humor and satire. I had no idea, for example, that he was at the Battle of the Bulge. No idea about that. I did not know that he was one of the creators of the show Get Smart. I kind of love that show. <laughs> I love a lot of really old, weird things. I did not know that he won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for the producers, so that's how he got his Oscar. Uh, so there's just a lot that I don't know, and I'm definitely going to have to pick up his 2021 memoir, All About Me, My Remarkable Life in Show Business. So I'm excited to read that. That is now on my to-be-read list. Uh, did you know that Men in Tights wasn't Mel Brooks's first attempt at a Robin Hood parody? I didn't know that either. So in 1975, at the height of his movie career, Mel Brooks tried to get back into TV again. And so he created this show called When Things Were Rotten. And it was a Robin Hood parody that lasted just about 13 episodes. So nearly 20 years later, in response to the 1991 hit film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where most of the comedy comes from, he is mocking that endlessly, Brooks mounted another Robin Hood parody, Men in Tights. Uh, it said it resurrected several pieces of dialogue from his TV series and from earlier Brooks films. And with that, we have another film with very little production information, which is kind of a bummer. I would have liked to have known more about what went on with this particular cast on this particular set. Um, just a lot of people that you wouldn't anticipate being together <laughs> on screen. Um, it, so... But that's a bummer. That's all I have for the movie, really. Uh, the movie stars Carrie Elways as Robin Hood, Richard Lewis as Prince John, Roger Reese as the Sheriff of Rottingham, Amy Yazbeck as Maid Marian, Dave Chappelle as a Chew, Mark Blankfield as Blinken, Eric Allen Kramer as Little John, Matthew Peretta as Will Scarlett O'Hara, Isaac Hayes as a sneeze, Tracy Ullman as Latrine, Patrick Stewart as King Richard, Dom DeLuise as Don Giovanni, Dick Van Patten as the Abbot, and of course, Mr. Mel Brooks as Rabbi Tuckman. So just a couple casting things here. When Mel Brooks first called Carrie Elways to offer him the lead role, Elways thought it was a prank and hung up on him. I think I would probably do that too. Yeah, yeah, right. You're Mel Brooks. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and also Hulk Hogan was offered the part of Little John, but turned it down. Thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. 
Now, see, that is something else my family was really into in the 80s and 90s, professional wrestling. Why? I don't know, but I can name almost all of the wrestlers from the 80s and early 90s. I don't believe the Hulk was not one of my favorite. Um, Hacksaw Jim Dugan was, but we can talk about that at a later time. Box office report. The movie had an estimated budget of $20 million. It made $6.8 million during its opening weekend and would go on to make $35.7 million worldwide. So it was generally considered a box office success. As for the reviews, though, less than grand. So Men in Tights has a 41% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. The consensus reads, undisciplined, scatological, profoundly silly, and often utterly groan-worthy. Robin Hood Men in Tights still has an amiable, anything-goes goofiness that has made it a cult favorite. That being said, it does have an 81% audience score. So while the critics didn't like it so much, the audience loved it. And it might be ridiculous, but like all of Mel Brooks' movies, it makes people chuckle. So I think that's probably why. But I kind of wonder if it's the memory of laughter with things like Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles or Spaceballs that people actually find amusing. If you're laughing at humor that has already happened and you're just remembering that humor, if that is a thing, I might be one of those people. Well, mostly. There's there's Blinken in the movie, but we'll get to that. But I, I kind of wonder if it has that 81% because of the nostalgia of Mel Brooks himself and what he had created beforehand. I couldn't find an actual review from Mr. Roger Ebert, so we don't get that today. So I think that would probably be the general consensus. I guess Gene Siskel, his film partner, his review partner, um, had listed Robin Hood Men in Tights as one of the worst movies in 1993. Oh, so there's that. <laughs> I have a feeling they didn't like it, but that's just a sneaking suspicion. As for the summary, let's get into the movie itself. So I need you to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Go ahead. I'll wait. Okay. Well done. Now, imagine all of the Robin Hood, we'll call it lore, that you remember from pop culture. So the cartoon, um, Prince of Thieves, anything that you've seen of Errol Flynn flying around, that BBC TV show that had Richard Armitage in it. <laughs> Just close your eyes and think of all of the different Robin Hoods out there. You can even think of, doesn't Robin Hood show up in Shrek? I think he kind of shows up for a moment in Shrek. So just think of all of that. Now pour all of that into a bowl, just a giant bowl, get a big spoon, add a healthy dose of just really on the nose comedy, stir it around really good, make sure it's all mixed together really well. And there you have men in tights. That's the end of the summary. <laughs> No, we'll get into it a little. So Robin is a prisoner in the Crusades when he escapes with the assistance of a, another, a, a Moore character. So now, unlike Morgan Freeman, a sneeze, you know, the character a sneeze, his new friend, just asks Robin to look up his son, who is an exchange student in England, and help guide him. And so that son is a Chew, played by Dave Chappelle. So Robin jumps into the ocean and literally swims home. And then in all of merry old England, finds his new friend, Achoo, immediately. He rents a horse and he, he like rides his horse for, I don't know, five minutes. And he finds Achoo in all of England. Uh, and just like in Prince of Thieves, um, he kind of becomes bummed because they go seeking his house. He's going to go back to the family estate, Robin is, and is bummed to discover that his parents have passed away and the family home has literally been repossessed. They have picked up the castle and they have moved it because the sheriff and the Prince John in this particular instance has taxed the country to ob oblivion. So all is gone except for his trusty butler, 
or a servant. I don't, I don't know. Um, a friend, this blind man named Blinken, who is just sitting in the middle of the castle that's been taken, and he has no idea it's been taken. In this here adaptation, we do get a Prince John. So unlike Prince of Thieves, where we only have the sheriff, we do get Prince John, and he is very cartoon-esque in his aptitude. He does remind me quite a bit of the Prince John character in the animated Disney version. So John's ruling the countryside with the help of the trusty sheriff of Rottingham, who in his haste to talk, often says things in all the wrong order. He's kind of clumsy too. He's thinks he's kind of suave and everything, but he's he's not. He he wants to be a ladies' man. He has his eye on Marion, but it's not working out for him. So Robin, of course, quickly gets on the sheriff's bad side and finds himself in the forest fighting with a less than impressive little John. It is one of my favorite uh, visuals in the entire movie scenes. So if you think back to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where there's the dramatic battle with the the poles, I don't know, <laughs> the sticks between Little John and Robin, we think Robin has been defeated, but then he clobbers uh, Little John in the crotch. And so then they become friends immediately, immediately. Well, in this particular battle in Men and Tights, the sticks that they're fighting one another with keep breaking. So as they're fighting, that stick just keeps smaller and smaller until they're just kind of <laughs> flicking each other with it. That's kind of funny. And then they also kind of have a little bit similar, if you remember, one of my favorite parts of Prince of Thieves, though there was a rich man from Nottingham who tried to cross the river. They take that element, but they talk about roles and that if they if Robin doesn't pay no toll, then they don't get to eat no roll. And that's another part that has always kind of stuck with me that I enjoyed. So he, of course, has now become gangs up with this merry band, Little John, Will Scarlet, who is um, an, uh, an expert in daggers. And they decide to gang up against the prince. And they end up bringing along townsfolk who are oppressed along the way. Um, they... The prince decides to plan a trap at an archery contest to capture the outlaw. Marion, who um, is living in the prince's castle, uh, she overhears a conversation about this trap and she tries to get out to the to the forest to warn her immediate love. Like immediate. They had met one other time and they fall madly in love. At least in the other adaptations, there's some context of the relationship like oh it was my best friend's sister or oh we were childhood friends growing up like in the cartoon version not this one no they just meet at this party that robin crashes that the prince is showing hosting and they immediately fall in love so anyway marion overhears the news about this trap at the archery contest she goes out to the forest to try to warn robin he's like yeah yeah i promise i won't go i won't go but He's got too big of an ego. He goes to the contest. He actually loses and is captured and is set to be hanged. A lot of that visual is like exactly like the cartoon version of the movie. Um, the way he dresses up in a disguise, the way that Little John and the other guys, they kind of dress up as women in disguise. Um, so a lot of very similar things there. The sheriff then, um, so Robin has been captured. He's going to, he's set to be hanged. The sheriff tries to marry Marion and subsequently have his way with her, but the merry men in tights free Robin, who bests the sheriff and tries to have his own way with Marion. Uh, Robin does, but is forced to uh, stop and marry her first. And that's when the marriage um, gets interrupted by Patrick Stewart, who shows up as King Richard, and they all live happily ever after. Eventually, we are assuming getting the chastity belt off of Marion because they the her whole the whole movie she's protecting her virginity, and there you go. 
Uh, that That's the movie. I skipped a lot. But a lot of it is the same story as last time. So that's what you get this time. Here's my main thought. The movie isn't great. Uh, Once Upon a Time, again, I remember watching and cackling, but those days are gone. It's fine. It's a, it's a parody. That's probably the most interesting part to me, trying to match up the jokes with their pop culture counterparts. Um, like seeing like, ooh, Little John is dressed as a woman and he actually kind of looks like the bear Little John from the cartoon movie. Like trying to match up those moments, um, getting to hear Robin Hood, like, what makes you different? Well, I, like other Robins, can speak with an English accent, mocking Kevin Costner. Um, so trying to match those up are probably the most fun part of the movie, but overall it's just, it's not great. Because can Carrie always act? I think the answer is no. And I think I'm going to have to be okay with that. I'm going to have to learn to hold in one hand that he is a horrible actor and in the other hand, hold the Princess Bride, which is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> But his acting in this and the overtop, because it wasn't even acting. None of them are actually acting. It, they're, they're parroting acting, if that is even a thing. And what's the deal with Richard Lewis? He is my least favorite part of the entire movie. He is not funny. He also cannot act at all. He's reading lines, but I think I could read lines at least as well as him, if not better. And he has one of those faces that you just kind of want to punch because they're smarmy and obviously think very high of themselves. I, he just, and I remember him irritating me when I was younger too, but it is just elevated tenfold um, with this particular viewing. I was also tempted to do a little internet sleuthing to try to understand him better. Who is this Richard Lewis? What is his comedy? But gonna be honest, I just didn't care enough to start down that particular rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, there is nothing redeemable about this particular Robin Hood. I mentioned in the last episode that there's very little redeemable about the character in general. Yes, he's stealing from the poor, or not the poor. <laughs> That'd be a completely different story. He's stealing from the rich to give to the poor, but it's it's never not self-serving. Um, there's so much ego in this particular character and almost all of the adaptations. As much as I love the cartoon character as well, you still get it in, in that adaptation that it is not all out of the goodness of their hearts, that they like the game. They like the thrill. They like being criminals all at the same time. And so he, he's not a great guy. He, In that sense, it kind of reminds me a lot of Peter Pan, which I have a lot of issues with Peter Pan. I think he is actually the villain of the movie, of the story. Um, so, But in most other adaptations that you get the feeling that maybe Robin does actually care a little bit about the townsfolk. And it's not all about him, the stealing from the rich, but not this guy. This guy is the worst. He has <laughs> such an ego. And he can't act. Oh my goodness. We'll go back to that. Carrie always can't act. The only redeeming element for me of this movie is the character of Blinken. Now that guy, after, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, 30 years, still makes me laugh. Still makes me laugh. There are a couple different scenes in particular. There's one when uh, Robin does crash the prince's party and he's kind of taunting him and he thinks he's trapped, but then the, the merry men show up to kind of bail him out, including Blinken, who is a blind man, and they gave him a sword and he's never pointed in the right direction. And then he starts to fight a wooden post and he and they have it sped up where he is just chopping away at this post and they have him like jumping up 
over imaginary sword swings and then he has to stop and he starts panting because he's so out of breath because he's just been chopping this piece of wood it's stupid it's so stupid especially as i kind of try to explain it but it is one of my favorite parts of the movie there my second favorite part is they have put him on watch so he's standing on this I don't know, this tiered balcony kind of thing out in the woods that they have made. And he's supposed to be keeping watch to protect their encampment. And Robin kind of rides up on his horse and he goes, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm guessing. I guess nobody's coming. Uh, And so then Robin's like, just get down from there. And so he's like, I think there's a ladder around here. And he keeps feeling for the ladder and he's got it. And he feels for the ladder and he's got it. So he feels pretty confident that he's going to make it on the ladder. But when he tries to step over the railing to get onto the ladder, he pushes it off. And so then he ends up falling off of the the podium kind of thing. And I, again, I just laugh. There's something about Blinken and that particular actor's timing and the way he delivers the lines is actually pretty good there's lots of moments with that dude young dave Chappelle kind of makes me smile too mostly because he seems to just be an entirely different movie uh he's in this chill movie that he's just like whatever let's do what we're gonna do and and, <laughs> and the humor that they have him doing again so very on the nose uh, but i do like i do like dave Chappelle. so after the rewatch i had to ask myself do i like parodies If the original content has enough to comment on it, and it's easy enough to do so on my own, there is enough to say about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, on my own, the the accent, the the dialogue, there's there's a lot to go off of there. Is it then necessary to really make a full-length feature doing that same thing? And I, I don't think so. I'm not so sure. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of parodies. I do like Spaceballs. Um, I don't, I, maybe because there's not tons and tons of properties. I mean, it is really just parroting one particular IP. So maybe that's it, but I don't know. I don't think I like parodies. I do like Mel Brooks. I love, I think probably my favorite Mel Brooks is Young Frankenstein. I could watch, I watch that just about every Halloween season for no other reason than Madeline Kahn's Beyond. I love the, oh my goodness, she's so good. (laughs) A few interesting tidbits about the movie, and there's just a few. The scene where the sheriff, played by Roger Reese, he falls through the roof of Latrine, who is the witchy woman that um, is help guiding the prince, just like in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and she's played by Tracy Ullman. Latrine is infatuated, madly in love with the sheriff, and she's like actually praying before he falls through the ceiling, like, man, Lord, if you, God, if you could just bring this man, give me a chance with this man, and then he falls through the roof. And she tries to have sex with him, and uh, all of that was completely improvised by Reese and Ullman. So that's kind of interesting, little scenes like that that they got to run with. Now, this one's a little bit longer of a tidbit, but it's funny. The gag about Robin being able to speak with an English accent is a reference, of course, to Kevin Costner's performance in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Came out in 91, so a couple years earlier. Viewers who saw both movies in a dubbed version couldn't get the gag. It did not make sense because it it was not in an English accent. So for the German dubbed version, the gag was changed to because I, unlike some other Robin Hoods, do not cost the producers $5 million. The, word, the German word kosten which was cost, was also pronounced to sound a little bit like Costner. In the French and Italian dubbed versions, it is translated as because unlike other Robin Hoods, I do not dance with the wolves. (laughs) 
referring to another Kevin Costner movie, Dances with Wolves, that came out in 1990. In Quebec, the translation became, because unlike other Robin Hoods, I accept to wear tights, which refers to the fact that Costner didn't wear tights in the 91 movie. In the Hungarian version, I think this is the last one, he says, because unlike Kevin Costner, I have a shapely bottom, a reference to the infamous fact that Costner used a body double in the nude scene. Ugh. I love all of those. The Dances with Wolves one, though, just uh, it was too good. Too good. The, this, and final note, this was the theatrical movie debut of Dave Chappelle as a Chew. Does this movie hold up? No, it doesn't. It does not hold up. There's some of the the humor that I, I do find a little cringy, like, ooh, you went there. And it's not humor like Blazing Saddles does it, but you there's a purpose behind that particular humor. And and I just don't feel that purpose in this particular movie. So as for movie night recommendations, I I went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth this. And I really think you sh- you can watch this and it's good. Laugh at Blinken. Imagine a version out there of saying, because unlike other Robin Hoods, I do not dance with the wolves. Imagine all of that. But then you need a Mel Brooks palate cleanser. So go watch Spaceballs or go watch Young Frankenstein. Get the really good Mel Brooks in your system. You could also watch uh, Princess Bride to have a palate cleanser for Carrie Elway so that you feel better about his acting skills by the end of the night. Because you won't if you just watch this movie. Book recommendations. I have one this time. I went with the humor element, um, something that was tongue in cheek, something that is actually kind of a parody of its own. And that is Kill the Farm Boy by Delilah S. Dawson and Kevin Hearn. This one, they take a lot of fantasy tropes and fairy tale tropes and kind of put them together. Once upon a time in a faraway kingdom, a hero, the chosen one, was born. And so begins every fairy tale ever told. This is not that fairy tale. There is a chosen one, but he is unlike any one who has ever been chosen. (laughs) And there is a faraway kingdom, but you have never been to a magical world quite like the land of Pell. There, a plucky farm boy will find more than he's bargained for, for on his quest to awaken the sleeping princess in her cursed tower. First, there's the Dark Lord, who wishes for the boy's untimely death, and also very fine cheese. Then there's a bard without a song in her heart, but with a very adorable and fuzzy tail, an assassin who fears not the night, but is terrified of chickens, and a mighty fighter more frightened of her sword than of her chainmail bikini. This journey will lead to sinister umlauts, a trash-talking goat, the dread necromancer Steve, and a strange and wondrous journey to the most peculiar happily ever after that ever once upon a time. So pick up Kill the Farm Boy by Delilah S. Dawson and Kevin Hearn. And that is all I have for today. It was a quick episode. I, did, I didn't have a lot to say other than I didn't really like this movie except for Blinken'. There we go. I would love to hear what your favorite Mel Brooks is. Um, That'd be a lot of fun. And next week on the pod, I'm going to have Watson back to talk about our favorite Robin Hood adaptations. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so that we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome, again, if you could rate and review so that other individuals who like really random conversations about pop culture with someone who really doesn't know what they're talking about Well, those people can join in on the fun as well. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook as A Bit of Fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today, and I will see you next time.